The following is presented to you by Maranatha Bible Church of Comstock Park, Michigan. For more information, go to mbcmi.org. If you did get the notes, just want to point out, uh, if you go to the back, there's two handouts, or there's two um, sheets on the back from the appendix. One is um, suggestions when using the rod. Um, and then the other one is simple principles for identifying change and develop, developing habits. I thought those were some good uh, resources for you. And then the one right before that is just a kind of a chart on heart change. I see that at the very end too. So it's not a very good picture, sorry. I just pasted it from <laughs> internet. But. Hopefully we don't run out of notes this time. I printed, I took Bob's advice and printed either 40 or 50. Last time I only printed 17. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 17. Well, you know, I just, yeah, I could have rounded up in 20. I don't know. It's just, all right. Well, Bob, I was just, or everybody that just walked in, I was just pointing out the last um, two pages are from, um, are the appendix. And there's some resources there for, um, suggestions when using the rod, and then um, simple principles for identifying change in develop, development, develop, developing good habits. And then there's also just kind of a chart on um, the heart, how the heart works. So, good resources for you. All right. Let me pray, and then we'll go ahead and get started. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning just thankful for uh, the opportunity to gather together here at Maranatha to worship you. Uh, as we hear your word preached from the pulpit, we're just uh, we, we're overjoyed to hear uh, the gospel of Christ in the book of Matthew. Uh, help us to just meditate on this and uh, to remember uh, that you came uh, to this earth as a man, uh, as a baby, and grew into a man and died for our sins that we might be justified. We might have a right legal standing before you. Uh, We thank you for that, Father. We pray now that as we continue our teaching on parenting, that you'd be glorified through it, that it would bring honor and glory uh, to your Son, Jesus Christ, as we desire to uh, raise our children in a way that uh, is honoring to you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. So, first of all, I'll just kind of give you a summary of what we talked about last week. Last week, we saw the priorities of parenting. I made my fonts a little bit bigger for you in the back because last week I know you couldn't read them. And I have um, someone giving me good input on what I should change and what I shouldn't change. Rachel, I mean, did I say that out loud? (laughs) So anyways, last week we looked at the priorities of parenting. And we saw the... Uh, the first one was the commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. He said there can be nothing that's more important than um, our commitment to Christ. Nothing can have jurisdiction over us more than our commitment to Christ. Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Uh, we talked about the importance of being in the Word of God and knowing God of the Word. And to do that, to know the God of the Word, we need to be in the Word of God. So talked about that. And then we talked about our commitment to our spouse. 
And we said parenting isn't an entity unto itself. It's not, we don't parent in a vacuum. We've got to, these things have to be in place as we are parenting. And the second one was our commitment to our spouse, our, our commitment to the uniqueness of the marriage relationship. Our kids need to see that. They need to see uh, an exclusive uh, leaving and cleaving relationship that uh, mom and dad work together. Um, Genesis 2.24, uh, the covenant relationship. And then that uh, unique, um, intimate, physical relationship that only takes place between um, a husband and a wife. So we need to make sure our priorities in parenting is, first of all, the Lord Jesus Christ, a, a, a robust commitment to him over everything else, and secondly, uh, a commitment to our spouse, and thirdly, we said a commitment to um, our family. But when we talked about the commitment to our spouse, we also touched on the roles. Those roles need to be clearly defined and seen um, lived out by our children. A husband's role of um, ser- being a servant leader, loving his wife as Christ loved the church, uh, learning about his wife and, and caring for her, and then um, the wife's um, role as a helper and encourager, um, a homemaker, and we just said those roles need to be clearly defined, and the kids need to see that as an example in your marriage. So you need to have a commitment to that, and then a commitment to your family. Uh, we need to be good stewards of our of the truth, good stewards of the truth, and we need to be constantly discipling our family, and not just telling it to them in words, but showing them in how we live and wherever we're at. Wherever we're going, you know, to the, at the grocery store or whatever, we're constantly discipling our kids um, in in those situations, different ways. So that was it for last week. Any comments or anything from last week before we move on? All right. Okay, this week we're going to be looking at, we're moving from the priority of the parents to looking at the goal of parents. The goal of parents. So our ultimate purpose in parenting, I mean the purpose is to glorify God. But our goal to meet that purpose is to actively bring up children according to those biblical principles that we see like in Ephesians um, 6.4. That's our goal, to meet that purpose of glorifying God. It's to bring them up according to the principles of God faithfully. We, need, we just want to be faithful in what we do. So if we're going to do this, as we think about that, we have to, there's one thing we have to have. We have to have a biblical understanding of anthropology or the, the study of man. Who is man? Where did he come from? You know, we have to have a biblical understanding of that. And we also have, a, have to have a biblical understanding of homartiology, which is just the study of sin. So we need to understand sin and man and how they work together. If we're going to raise up these little creatures that God gives us, we have to understand what their their nature. So we have to have a biblical understanding. So first of all, I thought today we're going to look at and just dig into the nature of man or of our children. And the first thing we're going to do... Well, any questions before we do that? Any comments? Oh, you're going to try to hook that up? Jim said that I need to unmute it, but it looks like you should probably plug it yeah. in first. <laughs> Ta-da. Let's see, where is it? I don't know. I've never run it. Well, is that this? And there's the little thing. Here's that one. Yeah. That works. 
I'm assuming that must plug into that one. I don't know, Joe. I don't know. I can't bend over, so. <laughs> Joe, what happened to your back? Maybe Bob knows. Bob, do you know where the end of this plugs in? Wait, Bob's in here and he didn't even help you? <laughs> I don't know if he knows. Maybe it plugs into there? No? Oh, here you go. Maybe. No, that doesn't fit in there either. Hmm. Maybe the TV. I don't know. Maybe I'll have to send another text to Jim. You can feed. Oh, here he comes. Here comes the chief. Hey, hey, Bob. Yeah. So that's your power. Uh, you just plug it into the wall and then just plug in the USB to it. That's it. This other side. That was my confusion. Is that the audio? Or does oh does the audio go in the end and that goes in that? Yeah, there you go. Oh, there we well, go. you know we had a good. How one. many pastors does it take? <laughs> Can we call Todd? <laughs> yeah, let's call. Now you should have the other end. This is the USB. You stand on it. Easier. There you go. Hey, plug that in. I'm here to help, guys. I'm here to help. Okay, should see your red light. There you go. Sorry for the interruption. All right. Way to be fair, fellas. Set this over here. So you can the big box. All right, there we go. So anyways, back to our discussion. We're going to talk about the nature of man. Well, first of all, we want to look at the world's view of the nature of man. When, you, when it comes to the world, uh, the secular world, they view man as coming from uh, evolution, obviously. So man's inherently good. They're born inherently good. And there's three different, well, there's more than three, but I'm going to talk about three different um, modern views concerning man. You have a view by um, Sigmund Freud. Okay, He was a German uh, psychologist. He died in 1939, and he's known for developing psychoanalysis. Um, in his view, man is just an instinctual animal with uh, two major instincts, love and hate. Now, when it comes to Sigmund Freud, he's very very sexualized in everything he does. It's just, it's gross, you know, but that's, that's his view. It's, um, man's just an instinctual animal, okay? And then there's a view by a man named B.F. Skinner. Skinner was an American psychologist, died in 1990, and he's known for what's called behaviorism. Kind of like, you just, you know, like Pavlov's dog, you know, you can just um, ring a bell and feed the dog, and eventually the dog will just be be trained in that direction. So it's no different than a, an animal. That's B.F. Skinner's view. Man is born a blank slate. Um, their environment programs this blank slate. So you just have the right environment, your child will grow up perfect. Um, the third one is um, Carl Rogers. Uh, Maslow and Rogers, you might have heard of them, but he was an American psychologist. He died in 1987. He comes at it with a humanistic approach to a view of man. Um, so man's just a flower. He says it's real ethereal and mystical. Man's a flower that will unfold if he has the opportunity to self-actualize. So there again, it's just uh, the child is inherently good in all these views. Man's basically a little god, and he's good, and he, you know, just... He just needs the right environment, the right um, things to happen to him, and, and everything will be good. So that's all those views. There, there's others, but they all fall along the same 
the same vein. And as you can tell, they all come from a mindset of evolution. No God, no soul, just uh, uh, an animal. And so the primary view when raising children in these um, theories is you just need to make the child comfortable, make them feel good about themselves, and they'll do a good job. You make you know, self-esteem, raise up their self-esteem, help them to do, uh, feel good about themselves. Uh, it'll help them function better in life. So that's man's view. Now we'll look at God's view. God's view of man is that man is inherently evil. Um, and the Bible gives clear evidence. Romans 3, 10 through 11 says, There is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. And when talking about this, the, the sinfulness of man, we need to be clear that uh, this young baby that you have in your hands is not just... Uh, you know, sin doesn't just affect part of that little baby in us. Sin saturates the entire being, the entire nature of that person. It affects the will. It affects the mind, the emotions, the behavior of an individual. There's no aspect of human nature that's untouched by sin. That's If you're a Calvinist, what's that called? Total depravity. Okay, A child is born into this world totally depraved because of the sin that, is passed, that was passed down from Adam and Eve. You know, that child, when you're holding that baby in your arms and, and screaming and yelling and trying to get something out of your hand, if that child was big enough, it would grab that bottle out of your hand and beat you to death to get that bottle. It's just, it's depraved. We're, we're depraved. Now, when we talk about total depravity, we need to be clear, though, this doesn't mean that every um, sinner is as equally evil in their actions as they could be, right? Obviously. But we're all equally guilty before God. Um, you may not be as guilty, or this sinner is not as guilty as perhaps Joseph Stalin or Ted Bundy or, you know, you can name anybody. But our heart's the same. Heart is the same. We just don't act on it to the same extent by the grace of God. The same heart that was in Mary Tudor who executed 300 Protestants during the 1500s is in us. It's in every single child that's conceived, that same heart, that same potential is there. So, we may not always act on this heart to the same extent, but, but it's there. We were conceived with it, actually. If we look in the Bible, um, Psalm 51.5 says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. That doesn't mean the mother was sinning when she conceived. It means that he was sinful when he was at the point of conception. That's David speaking. Psalm 58.3, The wickedness are estranged from the womb. These who speak lies go astray from birth. And then Ephesians 2.1, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We, we were stillborn, essentially, spiritually stillborn. We came out dead, and we were just walking according to the course of this world. So with that being said, we, we can never focus. That's important, because with that being said, we can't focus. You can see the importance of 
not focusing on just behavior change. We can't focus on just behavior change, but we need to focus on a radical life transforming change at heart level when it comes to our children. That's why we need to be praying for our children all the time. But then we ask the question, what exactly are we talking about when we talk about the heart? You know, we hear that all the time. But what are we, exactly are we talking about? So I thought we'd just look a little bit at the basics of the heart. Talk about the basics of the heart. What are we talking about? Well, we're talking about the motivations behind behavior. And there are certain aspects to this. The heart deals with the whys of behavior. Specifically, why our children do what they do. It, it, it goes much deeper than just surface behavior. And you're going to hear me say that a lot because it's important. This is where real change takes place. Change that it's Christ-centered and biblical takes place in the heart. Matthew 7, 21 through 23 says this. Jesus is speaking. He says, from within, our, from within, out of the heart of men proceed the evil thoughts, fornication, thefts, murders, adultery, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. Or Luke 6.45 The good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth what is good. And the evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks, and here it is, from that which fills the heart. So it, the, the, te the text says, His mouth speaks from that which fills the heart. Change the heart... And the behavior will change. So behavior, the problem is behavior without heart change is actually not just undesirable, it's condemnable. We see Jesus condemn this in Scripture. In Matthew 15, 8. Oops, one behind. Uh, in Matthew um, 15 8, he states that the people honor him with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. So they have an outside appearance of godliness, these Pharisees. All the religious people of the time, they had an outside appearance of godliness. They worshiped him with their lips. They said, yeah, we worship God. But he says their hearts were far from him. This kind of outside behavior won't last. It's, it's superficial. It's done for selfish motives. And you see that a lot in children when they, um, they're, you know, they're obeying their parents while they're in the home, which they should be doing, but then they get out of, they leave, they leave the church, they leave the house, they go to college, and they completely just give up, they don't go to church anymore, they're off in, the, you know, immoral behavior, because they were just doing it for their parents. They were obeying their parents with their lips, but their hearts we're far from them. And that's, you know, but today we, as parents, we get so stressed out as we're parenting that we just want them to behave. We just want behavior change, regardless of heart change. And, and it's not wrong to want behavior change, but we can't just want behavior change. We've got to call for, for you know, them to obey. It's God's command for them to obey. But we have to take do the hard work Spend the time to um, press for heart change. Scriptural, biblical heart change. You need to get to the attitudes of the heart. 
Now, there's different operations of the heart that we're going to look at, but you guys have any questions, any comments? Rachel? I guess at what age do you kind of start moving away from just behavior modification to mm -hmm. matters of the heart, you know, because a three-year-old who still, right. you know, is defiant, I guess, how, at what point do you just focus more so? Like, does everything have to be kind of a heart lesson when they're that young, or like what, is it like just the teenagers you start really? Right, I would say that? you start, um, you focus on the heart even at the beginning, but as w when we look at these operations of the heart, you'll see that some of these infants, they haven't developed anything yet. It's just um, um, one aspect that they're, they're driven by. So you focus on that, you're praying for them constantly, you're even you know, reading scripture to them so they're, they really don't really understand what you're doing yet, but you're doing it at that age. You tell them why what they did was wrong, even then. And then as they get older, you, you continue it and you can elaborate more but I would start even at you know the early, early ages. So, but that's a good question because there are operations of the heart. When we talk about the heart, there's different operations that we need to deal with, um, and you're going to see them overlap as we talk about them. But they all kind of work together. The first one will be the mind, and I'm, the reason I'm pointing this out is because th there's different words in Scripture that are used for these, but they all mean heart. They're all pointing to the heart. Uh, the, the mind, this includes your thoughts, your beliefs, understanding, memories, judgments, conscious, your discernment. Um, so the mind is the first one. The, the, I don't want to get into all the, the language, but I'll just show you. The, the Hebrew word is lib or libeb. It's, it's used 598 terms in the old times in the Old Testament. And we see it used all the time. And it's talking about the mind. It's in Genesis 6-5. I probably put these references in your, your notes. Um, Psalm 31, 12, it's a word for heart, but it's talking about the mind. Exodus 35, 5, Deuteronomy 6, 5, Daniel 11, 25, Isaiah 32, 6. All these references, they're using this word in the Hebrew that's pointing to the um, operation of the heart that we would call the mind, but the word is heart. So you just need to understand that. And then the Greek one that's used is cardia. Um some New Testament uses for that, for the mind or the, um, the, the beliefs, understanding, memories would be Matthew 18.35, uh, Romans 6.17, Matthew 9.4, and Acts 8.22. Those are just some references where he's talking about this operation of the heart, of the mind, but using the word for heart, cardia. There's several other passages. 1 Kings 3.12 says, I have given you a wise and discerning heart. Uh, Luke 24.38, and he said to them, why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? You see that? It's a different operation. Romans 1.21. For even though they knew God, their foolish heart was darkened. So see, that's the operation of the mind. That's part of the heart that the Bible refers to, but it's talking about the mind. We don't usually, in our culture, we don't usually associate the mind with the heart, do we? We don't say, well, I mean, it's getting this way now, perhaps people will say this, but you don't normally say, all right, I've made up my heart, I'm going to do this. No, I've made up my mind, I'm going to make this decision. But in these references in Scripture, they're using the word for heart to mean mind. So it's an operation of the mind. Just one of these three areas. The second operation of the heart is the will. 
This is the operation that chooses or determines the actions that we're going to take. Now, as I said, a lot of these, well, there'll be some overlap, but there's various words used. Um, this will, this, this operation is informed by the other operations of the heart about the, the best choice of action and then will act upon this choice based on you know, these other operations. But of course, our will is broken and enslaved. Even after we're converted, even after we're regenerated, we still struggle with freely choosing God's pleasure, doing what God wants to do. We still struggle with that. Deuteronomy um, 30, 19, talking about the will, it says, Choose life in order that you may live. Joshua, Joshua 24, 15, Choose for yourself today whom you will serve. Um, Psalm 25, 12, Who is the man who fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way he should choose. So you've got the, um, the mind is being referred to in Scripture as part of the heart, the will, and then the affections. The affections. This is the one we're, we're familiar with today. It includes our longings, our desires, our feelings, imaginations, and emotions. When we say we have a, a broken heart, we usually don't uh, mean that our, our thinking or how we're going to choose has been broken. No, we're thinking of this aspect of the heart, the affections. Now, and we see that in Deuteronomy 24, 47. It says, Serve the Lord your God with joy and a glad heart. So see, same thing. He's talking about the heart, but he's not talking about the mind or the, the, the will. He's talking about the, that, that seed of emotions, the affections. Isaiah 35.4 says, Say to those with an anxious heart, Take courage, fear not. So it's a seed of emotions. So, we've separated these three here just to show that the change that takes place in the child is it needs to be evident in all areas. They can hide it in one area for a while. There's been heart change, you know, because they, um, whatever, one of these areas, the way that they they're, say that they're thinking differently. But we need to be very perceptive and, and watch our children and see, has a change really taken place in all these areas? If it hasn't taken place in all these areas, it could just be a facade. They're just faking it. Now, when discussing children, we see this operation working differently at different levels, as Rachel said. You know, you if you have a... Uh, uh, an infant, their basic understanding is they're hungry, they're tired, and they need a diaper change. That's it. They're acting on this right here, 100%. That's all they know. They just, that's their, uh, um, you know, that's what their heart is acting on, their affections. Not the other ones haven't developed yet, really. So all of their will in an infant are going to be completely determined by their affections. We do what they do because they want what they want. I mean, actually, it's the same thing with adults, right? We do what we do because we want what we want. We just have a, a, a more developed mind, and we can choose this sin or that sin. But we do what we do because we want what we want. Without Christ, we do what's going to meet our affections um, the best way. Um, so whether you're an infant, a young child, a teenager, or an adult, your hearts, our hearts are desperately wicked, and we need to we need to be looking for change and striving for change in all areas.
Uh, Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately wicked. Who can understand it? I, I can't emphasize that enough, how uh, wicked the heart is. And we need to understand that with this cute little child, we need to remember they have a wicked heart. So, all right, so that's, I know that was kind of like, ugh, I didn't want to really spend all our time looking at that, but it was important to understand the different um, operations of the heart, okay? And now we're going to look at God's directions to parents in Scripture, okay? We saw, we saw our goal. Our goal is to be faithful in, in raising up these children according to God's principles. And now we're going to look at the directions that God gives us. Um, I don't know what it was that you were laughing at. Was it the way it left? The origami bird. That you oh, the origami bird, okay. Um, <laughs> Got to keep you guys awake somehow. I mean. <laughs> okay, so when talking about God's direction to parents, we, we can see this, these directions, and then we'll, we'll look at the essence of these directions, the essence of what God's telling us to do, and then we'll see, as we close out today, the execution of these directions that God gives us. So first of all, God's directions, we see the essence in Ephesians 6, 4. Okay? It says, Father, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Now the key phrase here, the key phrase in this passage, in, for the essence of what's being said, is bring them up. Ektrefo. It, it means rear to uh, maturity. Provide support. So the essence of what's being said here is to, to raise them up, rear them up. Um, Paul's essentially saying, tenderly care for your child by discipline and instruction. Be tender and caring and spend time. This is, this is hard work. And this, this Greek word here, that the ektrefo, the bring them up, it's in the active voice, present tense, and it's imperative. So it's, it's saying you parents continually bring them up. It's a command to do this. Continually bring them up. It's an ongoing command, not a passive one-time suggestion. If it was passive, if it was a one-time suggestion, it would sound like this. You children, if you want, for a short period of time, maybe you can be brought up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's what it would sound like if it was meant to be passive and, and, and one-time. No, it's, it's, it's active. It's, in, it's imperative. and It's ongoing. So, yeah, go ahead. I just had a question, like, with what, I'm just wondering what Paul, when he said, like, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Mm -hmm. Is there is there an example, I guess, in those times where, I, I'm just trying to understand, like, why, what does he mean by that? Like, don't provoke your children. Were fathers intentionally trying to just, like, I don't know, ab somehow abuse their children verbally or something that, like. I would just say, uh, you know, don't be harsh or unreasonable. It's not, he's not saying. Um, don't expect your children to obey. You know, don't expect your children to do the things they're supposed to do. But don't be um, unreasonable and go beyond in your restrictions or your harshness. Okay. So um, some people think, well, so I shouldn't ask them to. Um, I shouldn't ask them to do the dishes. No, you, you. If they don't like it, that's that's not your problem. They don't like it, but they need to do. They need to obey you as your parent. But don't go beyond what's required. You know, don't be, go beyond what Scripture says in um, training them up, being harsh in that area. Does that help, Rachel? 
said people think well the child gets mad no they have a wretched heart they're gonna get mad when whatever you say you know but you know, don't needle don't go beyond I like that needle <laughs> go beyond what's required you know okay um, now this is important also um, where was I um, okay it's 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 active that's important it's active you know don't fall into the trap of uh, being afflicted with PPS, passive parent syndrome. Okay, we don't want to we don't want to have that problem. Um, the word the, the world asserts that a parent should be passive in the parenting task. And that's because they deny the depravity of the child. So they just are passive. They deny the depravity of the child. They don't understand what we just talked about concerning the heart. So they're just passive. You know, and I um, there's no place for the passive parent. A passive parent lacks wisdom. They ignore God's word. They fail to pray as instructed by God's word. So why? Why are there so many passive parents? Well, the bottom line is because we become lazy. We don't want to um, put forth the effort. We get too busy with other things, even good things. We get too busy with hobbies, with uh, work even with ministry, so we, you know, we become passive. We refuse to believe that our child would ever do something like that. After all, they, I mean, they were raised in church, so we become passive. We excuse poor behavior because we think it's cute. How many times have you seen that? I used to watch these things when I was younger. Um, America's Funniest Home Videos was on with Bob Saget. <laughs> I remember that. But they would have these kids on there. It was these horrible brats, you know. And everybody's laughing. I thought, man, that's not my kid. <laughs> out of control. But I thought it was cute. And they win $10,000 or whatever. <laughs> or we think they're too young to learn. So we just are passive. Let me talk a little minute, a moment here to dads. Okay? I'm not saying, I'm not letting moms off the hook. Actually, um, the use of the plural in Ephesians 6, 4 signifies that mom is just as much involved in parenting, but the bottom line is dad at times, they need a little extra encouragement in this area, in our culture. They tend to neglect their duty as parents. They're, you know, they, they come home from work and they're tired, I've been working all day, I just want to relax, just want to kick back. No, you come home and your work is just starting. When you have kids, 
and you, you, you fought, I mean, I've talked to guys who just say they, they horn their kids when they get home, they fall into bed at the end of the night because they've been working all day, they come home, they're pouring into their kids and their wife, and then they're just exhausted and they, they go to bed. And they get up and they do the same thing again. That's what we're called to as dads. Phil, you have a question? Yeah, often as children grow up, you find out that uh, parents don't like confrontation, mm. so they give up. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Especially and that takes work. It does. And you see this in. I mean, I, I don't. I don't want to say I hate picking on dads, but <laughs> I've seen it so many times where the dad um, wants to be the friend of the son or the daughter, so he doesn't do what needs to be done, and um, he loses all respect. The, the kids lose all respect for him. And um, you know, dads are directly accountable to God due to his structure of headship. They're accountable directly. 1 Corinthians 11, 1, or 1 Timothy 3. So, um, I don't want to keep keep beating that drum, but it's so important for dads to be involved in the life of their children. When you go to prisons and you, you talk to some of these prisoners, uh, the most uh, the day that most cards are sent from prison is Mother's Day. Father's Day, like none of them are sent. Because the dads hadn't, didn't invest, I'm, I'm just saying generally, I'm not saying all of them, but in general, the dads didn't invest in their lives. Dads were absent. And that's one reason why they're in prison, probably. So it's so important for the dad to be investing in the kids. All right. So now the text that we're looking at goes from the essence of the, the command, which is to bring up your children tenderly, care, carefully, being diligent, actively bringing up your children. And then in Ephesians 6, 4, it, we see the execution of God's uh, directions. He says, Father, do not provoke your children... Uh, to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Now this, this execution here has two parts. Discipline, and in the context of the Greek word for discipline, it's best understood kind of under the general heading of training them up in the scriptures, in, in the word. So parents are to systematically train their children. Now the methods or the uh, the tools used include rules, guidelines, restrictions, uh, rewards, corrections, you know, structure. That, that establishes the framework on which wise living can be built. And obviously, this needs to be scriptural. This needs to be from the principles found in the Bible as you're making these rules and these structures. Discipling your kids once again and, you know, praying for them. Now, one important aspect of training is correction. That, that means chastisement for wrongdoing. This helps the children learn the very important lesson that choices bring consequences. So, correction. That includes, but isn't limited to, the rod. Uh, Proverbs 13, 24 says, He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. Proverbs 19:18 Discipline your son while there is hope and do not desire his do not desire his death. Proverbs 23:13 Do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you strike him with the rod, he will not die. Now, we know the world, those who don't love God will say this is outdated, this is cruel. So should we just cut all the verses about this out of the Bible? No. Of course not. God and Christian parents 
hate child abuse. Of course they do, right? We, we hate child abuse. But biblical correction doesn't relate to child abuse. They're, they're making a connection that's not there. Biblical correction with the rod um, is done lovingly. It's done um, measured. It's done to the right extent. It's not, you don't overdo it. You know, it's done um, in, in a biblical way. There's, and as I said, the handout I gave you has some really great um, instructions on disciplining with the rod. Biblical um, ways to do it. Um, so th there's that. There's correction. Also within the, the execution of God's direction, we see in this passage that we're to we're not only to discipline, but also to instruct. So uh, this term is very specific, and it carries the idea of putting into the mind. We're to put God's word into the child's mind. So as we're using the rod, and we're we're very um, wisely disciplining them, gently, uh, the right measured amount of discipline, we're also instructing them why we're doing this, how they've broken God's law, and how they are dishonoring God as we do this. And I remember doing this with my son when he was four years old, trying to talk with him as he's screaming and shaking around on my lap, but I still was calm. I tried to be calm. I tried to explain it to him. Um, sometimes smacked my own hand and you know, but I was just, I, I was trying to be consistency also. The big thing here in this is be consistent in your discipline. Be consistent. If you're not consistent, they're going to be like, is this wrong? Should I do this? What's going to happen if I do this or I don't do this? You have to be consistent. It's important. All right, well, in this lesson so far, we looked at the goal of parenting which is to please God by faithfully, actively bringing up our children according to these biblical principles. We saw that when we're talking about a change of heart, we're talking about all these areas, the mind, the will, and the affections. And it all starts, the strongest of those is the affections in the child. We saw that our, our goal is to bring the children up in the, in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So then next week, we're going to look at the roles and methods of parenting. So we'll be real practical next week. None of the, you know, the, some of the other stuff that we looked at with the hardest. Next week will be a little more practical. So uh, any questions as we close? Any comments, concerns, any stories about your parenting? <laughs> no? I'm just trying to think of any other ones. I remember one time, um, this wasn't with discipline, but just uh, my child, my daughter was in the bathtub, and she was probably, I don't know, my son was just born, so she was three. And my, my wife was in the hospital because my son was born, so I was at home with my daughter, and she's in the bathtub. And, um, you know, we, we put the bathtub up, so just, you know, just up a little bit, and she sits there, and she's, she's sitting there, she puts her legs across the bathtub, and she's scooping the water up, and she's pouring it over here. And I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm trying to fill this side up more, Daddy. I was like, <laughs> that was so cute. I never let her forget that. Another time, we were at a restaurant, and she was a little bit older. Um, she's not seeing this, so I can say this. But um, we, were, we got done eating, and Kim's like, so you, oh, how much of a tip should we leave? And my daughter says, you could leave him a Q-tip. 
So I took your advice. <laughs> All right, let me pray, and um, we'll be done. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for this opportunity to um, talk about uh, just this, this task of parenting. We're so thankful that you've uh, privileged us to be able to do that for those of us who are parents and grandparents. And for those of us who are not yet parents, I pray that, we would, um, that they would be diligently um, desiring to honor you and following the principles they find in Scripture. They would be consistent in understanding that um, this child is born, you know, no matter how cute they are, although they are born with a wretched heart, um, that we are tasked with the, the chore of um, helping to train them up, to um, share the gospel with them and, and show them um, the ways that um, Christ would have them to live to honor him. We love you. Uh, we, we give this, us this day over to you in Christ's name. Amen. All right. See you next week. God willing. You've been listening to a presentation from Maranatha Bible Church in Comstock Park, Michigan. No part of this recording may be edited or distributed without prior written consent. For more information, go to mbcmi.org.